Greetings, beautiful people, and welcome to Queen's Stand Up Support Network Radio. Our purpose and intention is to create a non-judgment zone of support for the leaders and those working to be the change they want to see, where we increase our awareness regarding the experiences that manifest as we navigate through this adventure we call life. Increasing awareness allows us the opportunity to choose to align with the actions necessary to manifest the desired change. You give all of you every day working to live on purpose, and now we intend to give back to you by empowering you to tune into your souls. Let us pray. Almighty divine creator, as we grow from strength to strength, we give thanks for this day and the opportunity to expand our vibration as infinite choice makers. Thank you for showing us the way of healing. We are open to receive as we continue to align ourselves with peace. May our homes and hearts be forever filled and surrounded with happiness, healthiness, love, and forgiveness as we live in the present moment, our most powerful point of being. In the name of the Father, the mother, and the child. Amen, mut, kanshu. Ashe. So let it be. Greetings, beautiful people, and welcome to the Queen Stand Up Show. Happy Sunday to you. Last week, we were on and we had the pleasure of connecting with Nicole Kelly, Dr. Nicole Kelly, and she was helping us to understand how to avoid the charming cheaters, and it's not what you think. <laughs> we're not just talking about relationships. We were, just, we were also talking about just people in general, personalities and personality disorders, um, and just how to just, you know, protect yourself, in essence, from people who don't necessarily mean you any good. So if you'd like to listen to the recap of that show, check it out at queenstandup.com. Today, beautiful people, we are here with a mother and daughter team, Catherine Wyatt Morley and Jalon Welsh Cole. Mm, a beautiful um uh, set of women and who are empowering the world together, it's amazing. You know, invo- uh, um, experiencing pain in life is unavoidable. And sometimes the pain we experience leaves deeply embedded scars that must be cared for to help the scars heal. 
having scars is nothing to be ashamed of because we all have them. We don't take the time to heal the scars, then if we don't take the time to heal the scars, then that's actually what could result in um, some, you know, detrimental behavior, and that could be harmful to our quality of life, causing um, us to spread the wounds in other areas of our lives. So our guest host, Kathleen Wyatt Morley and Jalon Welsh-Cole, mother and daughter, author and entrepreneur duo, um, has made their life's work in alignment with educating women, sharing their story, and helping others to heal. If you'd like to join the discussion, dial in to 929-477-2476 and press 1. Thank you so much for joining us today, ladies. How are you? Thank you. Happy Sunday. Thank you. Happy Sunday, yes. Happy Memorial Day weekend to all of those out there. Um, Thank you for all of the vets um, as well who sacrificed so much of their lives you know, to help us um, be safe and to live a certain quality of life. So thank you to all of you. So, ladies, um, we're so honored to have you today. First off, I'd like to ask you, how is it, I'll ask you, Jalon, first, how is it working Mm -hmm. with your mom um, being an entrepreneur and an author? How is that? You know what, I'm going to be brutally honest during this whole little chat we're all having here, and I'm just going to let you know, when I was much younger, I didn't grasp the concepts or the tools that my mother was actually trying to give me, and so it really did suck. Um, but then, you know, okay. becoming a mother, becoming a mother mm-hmm. and, um, you know, being able to um, see that she was really trying to instill some morals and some tools and some business um, qualities in me, I'm able to, you know, now appreciate what, what it is to work with her. And I mm-hmm. I thank her so much for taking the time to pour into me and teach me all of these things. And I can tell you today, I am so blessed to have my mom stand next to me and for us to, you know, be able to see each other every day and, and walk these steps together. I'm so, so blessed. Oh, that is such a beautiful and honest testament. I thank you for being honest. Um, and I'm, I'm excited that you had the experience of, you know, being able to look at yourself and, you know, the, the work that you're doing with your mom and you've grown from it because that's really powerful. Yes. Uh, how yes. about you, Catherine? Yes. How is it, how is it having the, the, the privilege also of having your daughter work with you? Well, I, I appreciate the question. It, it was, as she said in the beginning, it was quite challenging because you know, your, your, your kids don't hear what you have to say and mm-hmm. you know, you're, trying to educate, inform, and instill in them right principles and right morals. And you often wonder, are they listening and are they paying attention? But as they get older and as they experience life on their own and for themselves and take those Mm -hmm. journeys and trials and errors on their own, you begin to see for yourself that they were paying attention 
And so I'm really mm. proud of what Jillian has, uh, you know, the powerful woman that Jillian has become. And she is, is remarkable, not only as a mother, but as a businesswoman, uh, the way that she conducts herself and handles herself, you know, in the business realm as a business partner, as a co-author, uh, she is a really powerful force to be reckoned with. And so I'm really, really proud of the woman that my daughter has become. So I'm, I'm happy. I'm very happy. She's, you know, she's doing a fantastic job. You know, I will say I that, love that. Um, my mom is talking so sweet about me, and and I think she's just being a little modest. She is a very patient woman. Um, I'm not the easiest person to work with, I will tell you that. But she's so patient, and she takes time, and she will explain things to me, and she really wants me to understand it. She doesn't want me to just you know, just to act on it or just do what you're supposed to do. She really wants me to absorb, um, you know, what she's trying to teach me. And so she's so patient with me and that I'm so blessed to, to have someone like that. Who can say that not only they work for their parent, but their parent is patient with them and will teach right. them, like, when they're not here, this is what you're supposed to do. So you can carry the torch by yourself when I'm gone. Like, who else can say that? And for that, I'm just, I'm so thankful. Aw, that just really made my heart smile. It's it's not, it's, you know, working with others in general, you know, stretches you, right? Mm-hmm. But working with family can, because there's, there can be a lot of emotion and, you know, there's the, the connection is so close, it can be that much yeah. more difficult. So I'm really inspired by hearing you ladies and how you have um, overcame any obstacles that, you know, normally would be present when you're working alongside of someone that you're so close with. And to hear you, ladies, you know, how you're speaking so highly of one another, it does say a lot about, you know, the work that you put in, the effort that you make to work together. And I must say, too, I called in, you know, uh, the other day or, yeah, I called in to to see how things were going, if you guys were ready for the show today. and. Mm -hmm. Jillian, I, I, your mom is totally right how she describes your professionalism, you know, is top notch. You know, it was just like, oh, wow. Like, <laughs> I, you. Was, did I call the White House? I'm sorry. You said my name and I was like, this is me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just I was just so impressed by the professionalism. I mean, not shockingly, but you know, like you call businesses all the time, and you know, you may get someone can I help you. Hey, what's up? You know, now she was very like, you know, I really felt like I was calling the White House. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, I appreciate I, every call in um, to our office. Yes, you know, I'm Kathy telling you, I, I accept nothing here. less. Yeah, we yeah. will answer the phones. Like we're not opposed to doing any of the other of the other job in in the nonprofit realm. We, you know, you accept working here, then you accept everything from answering the phones to you know, going to the yeah. big big dog meetings. So yeah, absolutely, that's awesome, awesome, awesome. So tell us about your non for profit, Catherine. Well, uh, yeah, I uh, am founder and CEO of Women on Maintaining Education and Nutrition, and I started the nonprofit 25 years ago in my home 
because I was diagnosed with HIV. And at that time, there were no other organizations that addressed the issues that I was dealing with at the time. There were none in my community. And so it started off as a very small support group. And lo and behold, women, the word spread. And women began to come from as far north as Paducah, Kentucky, and as far south as Birmingham, Alabama. And so the organization just kind of blossomed and grew. And I began to see a sisterhood and a camaraderie and so many issues, uh, including HIV, but well beyond HIV that all of us women had in common. And so from there, uh, the organization grew and expanded. 501c3, you know, got, became in place. And the federal government, you know, we began to get funding from the federal government. And so we quickly moved from my house, of course, to uh, office space. And we have been providing services that include HIV services the full gamut from testing to case management to supportive services to linkages to care, nutrition, navigation, all of those services with relations to HIV. But also our services, service base has expanded to including domestic violence, sexual assault, because early on we were very aware that HIV not only touched a uh, small segment of the community, but HIV touched the broader uh, spectrum of the community. So it didn't just touch homeless people. It didn't just touch the gay community. It touched everyone. And so the individuals that we uh, served were experienced experiencing a an array of issues and so we wanted it was important to me that our services reflected the needs of the client and so intimate partner violence we learned early on was something that our clients were experiencing so we were well ahead of the curve in providing intimate partner violence services support groups, uh, and a myriad of other services. And so today we provide culturally competent services that address sexually assault, sexual assault and domestic violence and stalking services for our community as well as our food pantry and HIV-related services. Wow. What courage. What courage and knowing your purpose that that's absolutely amazing um to be able to you know be having your own scar you know processing your own pain and disease and then take it and flip it around to serve the masses i am you know yeah and super inspired by that like can you tell us about like your journey? Like, okay, so you found out that you um, had the disease and 
you did you immediately begin to just pour it into you know trans, um, channel the energy into to helping to heal yourself and others like what was your process no uh it it was devastating at first uh it uh, it it took it took a while it was the the diagnosis was devastating i discovered that I was HIV positive in marriage. And so when I was diagnosed 10 days later, because the, there was no such thing as, you know, the, the aura quicks and things where, where you get your results back immediately. So 10 long as agonizing days later, my husband was diagnosed. And, you know, I, I had thought in the beginning that my world had, had shattered but it literally stood still. I, I still held out hope that, you know, at least he would be around for our children because, you know, we had three small children and Jelion being the youngest was just eight years old. And so it was devastating. And, you know, and when I was diagnosed, of course, I was giving, given a death date. And so it was devastating in the beginning. And so he was diagnosed, and he was, he was diagnosed, unfortunately, much sicker than I, had to be put on the medication immediately. And so it affected the five of us. Uh, our, our lives transformed and changed immediately when the words human immunodeficiency virus entered the realm of my family. When, when those words entered the front door of my family's home, everything about the fabric of my family, our existence, and everything changed. And so we went through a series of losses from, uh, from jobs, homes, uh, the marriage crumbled, my children each handled it tremendously differently. Uh, so it was, it was it was a very, very arduous journey throughout that journey. And Jelion can truly tell you about her own personal journey, but throughout that journey, you know, I, I began to understand, and it was a mental, it was a mental health, a lot of mental health issues. A lot of times where I wanted to end my life uh, and, and didn't want my children to see, you know, the, the agony and pain that, we, they were witnessing, you know, that HIV was at the time. And so uh, it, it was very difficult. But through all of that, I wanted so much to understand what HIV was, and I refused to go out and die from a disease that I didn't understand. So as I was educating myself, I uh, began to want to educate others, and hence that was the foundation and creation of the organization. Mm. And Jelion, you can talk about yeah, I was, how... I was gonna, I'm just going to just add my little two cents in. Um, as, as my mother just said, I was about eight years old, um, and just watching her, um, she didn't tell me that she was HIV positive until, like, I was approaching nine. She really wanted to – my brothers are older than me, and she wanted to let my brothers know about her diagnosis beforehand because they were older, they were much more mature, and um, she wanted to see how they would take it. And then she told me just the two of us um, alone. Um, C 
seeing my mother go through all of that mess that she just told you, but still being strong enough to not only fight for herself, but to fight for others, to be able to move forward and and um, create these these bridges to these gaps um, in the community that we had at the time, and and still doing that, it's just so inspiring to me. You know, she's losing she's losing a church home, and she's losing her family, and she's losing her home and her marriage, and just all of these different things. But she's still amidst that all. She's still fighting, and she's still making sure that those individuals that that don't have a voice or don't understand or don't know where to go, have a safe place to go. And that, for me, is so inspiring. And that, that gives me motivation to be, to be a leader and to be, um, you know, an advocate for, for others in sexual assault and domestic violence because I, I'm a survivor of both of those. And so I'm, I'm taking her energy, you know, with, with what she's doing even today, 25 years later. And it's just so encouraging to me. Yeah, I'm very encouraged as well. Um, it takes, you know, these this topic is um, still very much taboo in some areas in terms of, like, people are kind of um, don't really want to talk about it so forthright as you are. And I think that that's one of the biggest reasons as to why um, – so many people are, you know, affected in the way that they are. So you, the way that you're mm-hmm. raising awareness is such an important part of the healing journey, you know. Um, so yes. thank you yes. for, for educating yourself and raising awareness and not letting this be taboo, you know, just really bringing it to the light so that we can learn and be healed and develop solutions, mm-hmm. effective solutions. Thank Absolutely. you for the work that Absolutely. you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. for me, um, in in my journey to to where it leads to me, to where I am today, um, at at about eight nine years old, um, I started going to these support groups with my mom. Of course, she I was little, and so everywhere mom went, I wanted to go. Um, mm-hmm. she would to her support groups. Um, she would even go to individuals' houses and do one-on-one, um, like, consultations or talking or I don't even know if it would be consultations, but, you know, just like girlfriend talk, um, one-on-one. And so she would carry me to their houses. And, and I would see these people firsthand, like, and I would, I would play with their kids and eat their food and drink their juice. And my mom would be like, you know, so-and-so and so passed away. And so when I said earlier when we first started our little talk here that it sucked, that's part of the part that sucked because, like, I got attached to these people. And I started to, mm-hmm. you know, feel like family with these people. And then they're not here anymore. I, I actually met my best friend through support group um, that my mother hosted. Um, and she was only, what, she's 12 years old, Mom, when she passed I think away? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like my whole world, it's different when a grown up passes away. It's it's different for a kid. But when mm-hmm. when you're when your peer, you know, when a girl that you played Barbies with or house yeah. with when she passes away, it's like, Wait, what? 
I don't know as a kid if I was even able to process that. Um, but it was it was a terrible situation, and so from that point on, I started like I started like sucking up all the stuff that my mother would would take me to and have me around. She took me to the to the AIDS quilt um, to the AIDS what's it called the AIDS quilt the memorial yeah memorial yeah, and it was just devastating to see all these quilts of people that have passed away from a fight that my mother is fighting. It was it was just so sad, you know, but by her continuing to fight and continuing to enlighten and instill and educate other people with this knowledge, um, you know, she's saving lives, and I wanted to do that. So um, mm-hmm. as a teenager, I decided that I wanted to come and, you know, work with my mom, and there was nothing for me to do. So I started off as an HIV tester. So I got certified to do HIV testing, and then okay. I mo- like I did that for several years, and then I moved into um, being the supervisor of my own department, which I thought was just like the biggest deal ever. At 17, you know, being a director, and then um, you know now I I'm working literally right beside my mom in the organization. So I've had my own little journey, but nothing compared to what my mother has been through, but I, I appreciate all the, all the hard work that she's done to get us both to where we are today. Yes. Yes. I mean, it, she's such an inspiration to all of yes, us. Yes, she is. Yeah. She is. So, um, again, you know, just, it's, it's, it's just so much gratitude, you know, comes to mind because this is, again, it takes so much courage, you know? And so, like, what would you say, Catherine, after you, you know, the devastation and, mm-hmm. um, you know, losing everything, like, when was the turning point for you when you said, you know what, it's time to pull myself well, up by my bootstraps? Mm-hmm. Part of the turning point for me was when when I would look at the faces of my children and know that the next generation is, is going to die from a devastating disease that, uh, you know, that is, is, is ravaging the community and we don't understand and my children inspired me. My children gave me fuel. My children, you know, they, they just really did something for me. They energized me. I wanted so much to, to protect them and the next generation. So in, in, though there were lots of challenges and there were lots of losses, and there was, you know, the, the losing of our church, you know, being ostracized from the church, losing my job and losing, you know, stigma is real. Discrimination is real. Being black in the South is real. Uh, being a woman is real. All of those things are real. And then put HIV on top of that. And then announcing the fact that you're HIV positive and, and writing books 
about being HIV positive. So therefore, people know that you are HIV positive. Having people to throw away dishes and plates and treat you horrifically, uh, all of those things, you know, I have, have been my experience, have been my journey. So it has had its challenges, and I have been asked not to come back to certain, you know, certain arenas and those types of things. Though all of those things have been challenging and, and hurtful, uh, it, it was more important to me to, to make sure that the voice of the voiceless are heard and that HIV be understood and that people are people and that people be cared for. And I think that is the arena by which I stand and the stigma associated with HIV as well. And that is the arena by which I stand on today when I'm talking about my fourth book, I Am the Product of Rape, a memoir, when we're dealing with, you know, the tough topics of incest, we're talking about the tough topics of stigma associated with incest, uh, the stigma associated with sexual assault. We don't want to talk about those things. We don't want to talk about rape. We know that these things are occurring. We know that these things are happening just like with HIV. We know these things are occurring and, and still happening. We don't want to talk about them. And so I carry that same banner. I carry that same strength. Uh, I carry that same mantle that I once carried with HIV, I carry that now moving forward uh, alongside my daughter as we, we fight, you know, this, this, this sojourn with regards to incest and sexual assault and uh, domestic violence. And these are critical, critical issues that these, this community is, is voiceless. And these people are, they don't have the resources that are needed. So it's, it's, the work that we're doing, Jeline and I are doing together, is extremely important now. It's extremely important. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You mentioned a lot of tough topics, uh, a lot of taboo things that, as you, like you said, we are aware, but it really makes us uncomfortable um, to talk mm-hmm. about yeah. these things. And <clears throat> it's so interesting because we're all affected by it in different mm-hmm. ways. Yeah directly and indirectly. So um, Mm -hmm. what would you say is, well, you know, you mentioned the, one of the first steps is, you know, educating, you know, being awareness, being aware of the challenges that people are facing in their homes, in their relationships. What would you say is, uh, there can't be one cause, obviously, I'm sure, but if you had to pinpoint a reason as to why people are experiencing um, these things at such high rates, like rape and um, incest and, um, you know, just the domestic violence, why, why are, are we so affected by this, this type of behavior, this type of um, way of being, you know, with one another? I think the number one reason question. why why we're we're affected by it and it's so um, 
relevant right now is because it's seen as such a taboo topic. Like, no one wants to talk about it. And not only that, it's shamed. Like, for those that do muster up the courage to talk about it or do, you know, convince themselves that they have to tell so-and-so-and-so, then they're stigmatized because of it or blamed or faulted. Um, being educated is definitely on the top, you know, on one of the top things that you, you need to do when it comes to, to these topics. But, you know, only 7% of predators are strangers. And, it, you know, it's a wow. myth that, you know, stranger danger, you know how when you're growing up, your parents will tell yeah. you about stranger danger. Did yeah. you know that 93% of victims know who their predator is? 93%. 59% are acquaintances and 34% are family members. So make being educated on on this alone, knowing that, you know, you really need to know who you're leaving your children with. You really need to know as an adult who you're going out to the bar with or who you're hanging with, who your friends are, being educated. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then for us as a community, don't judge people. Don't, mm-hmm. don't make them feel bad about what's happening to them. Comfort them. Be there for them. Hold their hand so that they can feel comfortable to go to a mental health therapist and talk about their problems or or guide them to, you know, a resource that can help them. But for those that are listening right now, if you mm-hmm. don't feel comfortable doing any of that, I, we, Catherine and I want you to feel comfortable enough to talk to us. So you can always go to our website at www.catherine, with a C, C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, Wyatt, W-Y-A-T-T, hyphen, which is just a dash, M-O-R-L-E-Y.com. And there, there's a there's information of resources people can go to, um, facilities. There's our book is there. Um, there's some audio things that they can listen to there. They can reach out to us and contact us if they if they want to, and they can also learn more about us. But you know, our goal is to make sure that they have the tools in their toolbox for their journey. And it may be a situation that they're not the victim of sexual assault or rape or HIV or whatever, but they know someone and they want to educate their self to have the tools to give to that person. And so we also, you know, we also encourage individuals to do, to do that as well. But since we've been talking, we've been talking for longer than 92 seconds. I just wanted to give you the statistic. Every 92 seconds, an American is sexually assaulted. Wow. So during during our conversation, however long our conversation is, you can only imagine every 92 seconds an American is assault, is sexually assaulted. You know, we have to wow. we have to come together, you know, as a community um and and you know, deal with this head on and talk about those hard topics and and destigmatize those topics. If we want to Absolutely. make change Absolutely. What part of this is uh, of trusting yourself come into play with the healing process? I think that it's important from the beginning that you know, um, and when I say you, I'm talking to, to all of the listeners, that you know that it's not your fault and that 
this is not something, it doesn't matter what you had on. It doesn't matter where you were when it took place. Um, it doesn't, none of those things matter. None of that. It is not your fault, period. Um, you're a good person. You didn't ask for it. And and it's okay to, to cry about it. And it's that are, mm-hmm. Those are some of the things that are said that you hear that people yeah. are, are saying. Oh, say, yes, all the time, okay. all the time. They're like, um, they're like um, I had one young lady, and I won't tell you, you know, I, I won't tell you too much about her, but I had one, one young lady tell me that she told her family about when she was raped. And her family asked her where she was and what she had on. And because she was at a bar and she had on, like, shorts, her family felt like she deserved it. You know, you deserved Mm. it. You asked for it because where you were and what you had on and what you were doing, you were drinking, like, like as if someone encourages to be violated. No one encourages to be violated. No, No one encourages that. No one welcomes that. So yeah, no, trusting, trusting yourself that you are not at fault with what took mm-hmm. place, and mm-hmm. being being able to um, take those baby steps to heal from that, even if it's as small as journaling what happened to you until you're able to speak about it, and that's what Absolutely. I that is what I did journaling, and and using um, you know creative art is how I channeled. Mm-hmm my um, sexual assault and domestic violence before I was even able to tell my mom because my sexual assault, I was, I was molested by my brother and from the age of eight and a half, nine until, you know, a teenager. And I didn't tell my mom until I was 28. I didn't tell anyone until I was 28 Mm -hmm. years old. And mm-hmm. it was an accident that I even told her. I just woke up one morning and was at the office and was like, you know what, I should tell her. I didn't think about what would happen if I told her. I didn't think about, you know, I didn't think about anything. I was literally in a manic state of mind. And I just walked in there and was like, hey, this is what happened. See you later. You know, I wasn't mm. prepared for that. But I have a mom that is so patient with me. And she was like, nope, you know. She's still a black mom, so she wasn't she wasn't having any other of the of the you know say what it is and then turn around and walk away. She she's gonna get to the bottom of it. But she was so patient with me when she when she was trying to find out what was going on and really get an understanding about it. But having those type I think of that's people in your corner yeah. is so yeah. important. Mm-hmm. To have to be able to heal, you you know, need, we need a, a safe space to heal. So that's like oh, yeah, so important. Do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what's so wonderful from, from uh, what Jelion is speaking about is from the book, I Am the Product of Rape, a memoir, Jelion and I have developed a beautiful, beautiful um, skit that we call mm. Book to Life, which we have literally taken the pages of I Am the Product of Rape and brought them to life. Oh, yeah. And we, we act out, um, because the, the I Am the Product of Rape, a memoir, depicts four generations of women touched, by, touched adversely by the um, 
uh, by incest. And it starts with my uh, grandmother and then my mother and then myself and then Jalion. So it really chronologically really dives into four generations of women and how each one of these women actually deals with incest in her own unique, specific way. And so we lift the, the words of I am the product of rape, a memoir, and we have taken this now around the country and it is really receiving rave reviews. So if anyone is interested in this, um, in this enactment of I am the product of rape, I strongly encourage them to go to the www.katherinewyatt-morley.com website and go under the contact page and in the, the memo section, the notes section, ask about the book, B-O-O-K, and then the word, the letter to life. Just ask about more information about book to life. And we will be more than happy to send you information about it, uh, send you references for of places that we have performed the skit, it is really, really a powerful, powerful, it provokes conversation. It is really a educational tool that is really provoking dialogue and conversation. Young people at universities are really drawn to it. Lots of women's um, clinics and universities, as I said, are drawn to it. And so we've performed it at certain libraries and a lot of other different institutions. So that's something I think that uh, your, your listeners would be really, really interested in, in knowing about and learning about and actually seeing. It, it's a very powerful, powerful skit. It sounds amazing. I, just wanna... I mean, I'm, okay, so but before you go on, I wanted to touch on what you said, you know, um, I am the product of rape, a memoir. Um, <clears throat> listening to you explain, you know, the the four generations of incest, um, it brings the question to mind, you know, that how powerful dismantling, having a conversation about this can be because I'm sh- it stops here now, you know? Um, yes. Yeah. And so, you know, four generations of women, because these type of, if, if, if emotions aren't healed, they do pass down, you know, and we do, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So the fact that you took the time to write this text, which I know it just, again, courage keeps coming to mind, um, listening to you share about this so clearly, um, so very forthright is so um it's it's enlightening it's inspiring it's enlightening but it's comforting also you know um Mm -hmm. as someone who also has experienced trauma um in different areas in relationship to relationships um Mm -hmm. this it's it's very refreshing you know to have someone so forthright just coming talking about it um how like you know 
the with four generations of women experiencing uh, abuse, sexually related abuse, um, how difficult was it for you in terms of connecting with your family, you know, through this, because you wanted to be the voice to end all of this so that it didn't pass down to the next generation. Like, I know this, I know that there was, there's a great level of responsibility that you feel, but then on the other hand, there's also, um, you know, the risk of being ostracized, um, the, the change in the relationships that you have with your family because you're being so forthright on things that people were basically trying to keep secret. It's all, it brings a lot of shame to know and mm-hmm. you know, to know mm-hmm. that, you know, this is going on inside of your family right under the noses of the people who are supposed to be caring for you. And then, you know, so yeah. how, like, unpack that for me, you know? You know, I'm, I'm so thankful that you keenly picked up on that because uh, that, that has been extremely challenging for Julian and I. And as we, you know, talked about it and as we sojourned through it and as I was writing about it, because Julian didn't know what I was writing and I didn't know mm. what Julian had experienced, as she said, until until much later, as, you know, as I was literally coming to the conclusion of writing the book. So, you know, as, as we were concluding the wrap-up of the book, we talked about these, those very issues of what that was going to look like. But in the end, I had already experienced loss. I had, God had prepared me already through HIV. He had prepared me for the difficult um, process of loss, the difficult process of, uh, of devastation, uh, of incest, of rejection, of stigma, of people, people that you once were thought that were your anchors that would always be there through thick and thin, that was your ride or die, that would always be there, that would never leave you or forsake you. I experienced all of that with HIV. And so that was God's way of preparing me. And so I was prepared, as I said, to endure anything that was going to come my way as it would pertain to opening up the doors in this arena. And so I am am still prepared. It's not everybody's cup of tea, and we know that. Not everybody welcomes the idea of exposing these secrets. Because there are too many secrets, there are too many lies, there are too many cover-ups. But it is my platform, and it is my daughter's platform, and we proudly stand on that platform to expose those secrets to, uh, for our own healing, for future generations, and so that my granddaughter and that her next generations in our family lineage do not suffer what we have suffered. And that is what is important to myself and my daughter. Amen. Someone has to do the work. Someone has to do the work. And 
I, 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 I applaud you, someone, some, definitely. I, I applaud you, ladies. And as you mentioned, not everyone is ready. And I think that it's not, it's, 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 there's no judgment in the fact that people aren't ready either, you know, because right. um, as I do, you know, I, I'm, I'm a health coach. And one of the things that I learned about is the readiness factor and how, you know, when someone has, you don't know how trauma has affected people and what people have done to be able to um keep things together and move on with their lives, you know, and to hold themselves together to create a safe space for themselves. So there's no judgment Mm -hmm. even in the fact that if you're not a boisterous person about this, if that's not you, we have people for that. We have um, Mm -hmm. Catherine and Zelayan for that and many others, Mm -hmm. you know, so Mm -hmm. everybody can't do everything, but what would you say to someone who is out there and who, you know, um, is still still feels a sense of guilt and shame about this and is not as forthright in talking about it as you are. Like, what would be your message to them? I would tell them that silence is the gateway to mental health issues and they need to talk to someone. You need to get it mm-hmm. out. You need Holding in this information is a detriment to yourself. You have to get the information out. You have to seek help, journal, um, paint, um, job, work out. There, there are there are other outlets to okay. um, health, healthy outlets to okay. you know being able to to heal. And mm-hmm. at our organization, you know, we emphasize holistic approaches to care across the board. Um, so we have massage therapy for our sexual assault and domestic violence victims. We have food pantry. We have uh, paint um, paint nights. We have, um, you know, just, just a, anything that's holistic that can help with, with your healing. Um, it's, just, it's just really, really important. 30% of women have uh, reported um, sexual assault issues, have reported symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. Post-traumatic stress disorder is real. It is real. And it could be quite scary. So seeking, seeking um, you know, help and seeking someone to be able to talk to is just really important. It's, it's, it's a tool that Catherine and I, you know, make sure that we give women when, um, when we go around the country and, and we speak to them. Um, 13% attempt suicide. And Catherine was just telling you, before she even got to, to her sexual assault issue, just with HIV, you know, she contemplated suicide on numerous occasions, not because of what, just what she was dealing with, but because she didn't want her, her children to see, you know, what she was dealing with anymore, whatever your reasoning is. Um, and then, you know, 6% are, um, are more likely to use um, cocaine and then 10% are more likely to use other major major drugs. So we need to choose healthier outlets um, in healing. And so I would say to that person, number one, it's not your fault. Number two, Catherine and I are always here for you with a no-judgment zone. And three, it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to talk about it. Yeah, I think that's amazing. Like, 
I just feel a sense of relief just, you know, when you just, you know, reveal it all. It's just like, wow, this is refreshing. You, you know, you're not holding in the emotion like someone wants to have a conversation. And um, mm-hmm. so, you know, that's the biggest thing that you, what you said, um, the um, mental health uh, silence is the gateway. To silence is the health. gateway to mental health issues. Yes, yeah, that's my motto. That, that, yeah, that's that's huge because we're not people are not talking about it, and so then people internalize um, their feelings and their emotions. They tell the cell stories. They you know keep ruminating on these thoughts. And so I love the fact that you ladies are dismantling the power that these different um, topics have by raising the awareness because they don't have to um, take over people's lives the way that they are giving, you know, being able to take over people's lives. Um, mm-hmm. They really don't. And, and I think that, you know, by doing, by addressing the issues head on is actually what's going to help every, so many people to heal. I mean, if someone who has experienced um, being the product of rape, um, incest, and then um, contracting HIV in a marriage um, can find the strength and the courage to heal and to put an end to it, Um, then Mm -hmm. we all can do our part. Like, it's our responsibility to do a part. And sometimes it's as simple as just getting out of the way so that other people can Mm -hmm. actually do their healing work. And, you know, for those that want to and not being... um, uh, um, some more adding more insult to injury, injury, you know, by that's another important thing to do as well is to just um, get out of the way and let people heal, you know, the people that want to right. heal. So I, I love the, the book, you know, um, I, I love the work that you're doing because like I said, this affects all of us. No matter where mm-hmm. we are, we are all connected. And when we look at the rate of mental health, I don't know the numbers, but I'm sure you probably mm-hmm. do know, Jalion, the rate that mental <laughs> health, because uh, <laughs> she's like, my girl brought the numbers today, huh? Okay, y'all want to know the numbers? I know she all numbers. those numbers. And, yes, and, they, and I think that that's, like, that's so eye-opening. Like, when I listen to you mm-hmm. talk about the fact that 93% of victims know their attacker or, you know, that's mind-blowing to me, you know. Um, but it's real because, you know, I, was, I, I used to always say to people because, you know, with, with racism being what it is and, um, you know, people, we have our issues with how, um, with different things like slavery, for example, um, in our own, in the black community, I used to always say, you know what, I, I'm not, I'm not a racist. I like people of all colors. Um, and do I say that yes, harm did come by way of people doing things that they had no business doing? Absolutely. But one of the things that I always felt was that I didn't get more, um, more abuse came from right from my own people than anything. So let, let, why aren't mm-hmm. we talking about that? Like, why aren't we addressing that, the responsibility that we have to not do harm to ourselves now that we have mm-hmm. been, you mm-hmm. know, 
um, separated from that the slavery institution. Like, let's address that because, mm-hmm. yeah, our ancestors, they did experience um, harm from other races, absolutely. But now we're inflicting that on ourselves, and that's the big, that's, mm-hmm. that's an issue, you know. So how yeah. were they able to even come and infiltrate our homes? That's another question, you know, like what was going on mm-hmm. within our community that, that allowed them to even be able to penetrate the community. So, you know, I, I love the fact that you're bringing, shedding light on the fact that it's not an outside job. This is an inside job that's happening, yes, you know, is. the sexual yeah. assault rate. And so this is an inside job. And so we need to be more it mindful is. that we are having conversations. You know, within our family, we are educating our children more about relationships and, you know, healthy practices of, you know, how to protect your body and listening to our children because they tell us all the time, you know, what's going on with us. Mm -hmm. But we're so busy. And sometimes it's the biggest issue is not to blame us either. The biggest issue myself, I'm speaking about myself too, is that we haven't healed our own scars. And so we're pouring those that were onto our children. And so now they are dealing with the issue that we have not dealt with. So, you know, it becomes like this just big domino effect. So I'm so, Mm -hmm. you know, proud of you ladies for coming on, um, sharing your story. Uh, Thank you for entrusting us, you know, that you have you know it's brave mm-hmm. but it's it's beyond brave it's, it's like you got you ladies said you know what nobody wants to talk about this this is really painful and hurtful but I'm going to take responsibility and I'm going to do my work and so you you made it not about you you made it about the work and that you were called to do and so you're heroes you're heroes and it's amazing the work that you're doing so keep doing it um, I salute you um, I am grateful you. for you Thank ladies, you. tremendously grateful because as I mentioned, I, I also experienced trauma and talking about it was not an option. In fact, one of the things that happened is that you become, um, you get blamed a lot of the times that you get blamed for it. You know, when I was talking yes. to different yes, people, um, yeah, um, you get blamed. It's like, you're like, you know, well, why didn't you do this? Or, well, this is what I did when that happened to me. And why didn't you do that? You know, for my caretakers, when I confronted face on my caretakers, like, this is what happened to me. It was just like, you know, well, why didn't you do that? Or you must have liked it. Or, you know, this, you kept going. But there are so many reasons. And I want to that judgmental thing there. Try to understand it. Yeah, victim blaming. It's it's because it's a victim blaming is about is about be quiet. That's what that's about. Mm-hmm. It's about yeah. be quiet. So you know, like you, you you like that didn't happen, or you know, it's it's really hard. It's really hard for people who have mm-hmm. heal, um who have gone through certain things. So I just want to let you, people know out there. One of the most important things is that you trust yourself, and that you create a space safe space within yourself. And however you choose to handle it. Um, as you know, is the way for you to handle it. As long as you're not doing harm to someone else um, or yourself, you know, then however you go through the process is your way. So, you know, don't judge yourself as you're going through the process. If someone is not listening to you or if someone
Hello? Mm-hmm. What just happened? Yeah, I don't know. There was a break in there. Um, Sorry about that, guys. But, yeah, that's another thing that can actually happen is that, you know, you can get caught up in trying to get people to hear you or trying to fix it. It's done. It's in the past. Mm -hmm. It's done. You have to learn ways to move forward. And um, I think Mm. for me that was the most important thing is finding ways to move forward. Yes, processing what happened, and it takes however long it takes, but not blaming in yourself, you know, so that you can find a different, a way to heal. Um, that was the biggest thing for me, ladies, is just finding a way to heal uh, without, mm-hmm. without blaming or without, you know, um, dig- making not it shaming. worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not shaming right. myself, not shaming, but you know, just mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah. so, so how, where, where can I go? What can I do? Um, but the biggest thing for me, ladies, yeah. was definitely creating a safe space with my, within myself and processing my feelings, how I process my feelings. Um, but this is like, oh, I'm so like proud said, of you that you were able to do that. That's, I'm so, yeah. not, not everybody is able to, to even no. get to that point. So I'm, I'm so happy that you were able to, to, to do that. Yeah. I, you know what I think really helps me, ladies, is finding compassion because I always used to say, I wonder what happened to this person to make them do this or to make them choose this. Like there was something that I've always been a healer. So that's been a part of me was just like trying to understand Mm -hmm. like what caused you to do that, you know, and you know, why, what caused our our path to cross? Um, I really feel like nothing happens by accident. And so everything that we Mm -hmm. experience is meant to help us to, um, to live the best, be the best version of ourselves, but to help us to live on purpose. So we all come here with a purpose in life. And once we can get past um, this happened to me, like type of thing, and can find a place that, okay, this happened for me in some kind of way so that I can be the message or so that I can um, help my family to heal or help my community to heal. When you get Mm -hmm. to that place, then the the healing work does happen, you know? Um, Yeah. And I, I think that that's really important. Hold on. I have, um, oh, Queen. Okay. Um, Sister Queen Vashana, you want to have something? I see. No, I was just, I was just talking to you. Oh, you're breaking up a little bit, sis. You're breaking up a little bit. I don't know if that's me. Yeah, I hear you. Okay, yeah, we can't hear you so well, sis. Um, but yeah, um, okay, so I, I kind of got, we, um, this is such a, like, this is like a part tour um, type of discussion. Like, you know, it's an ongoing type of thing that has to be continuously, you know, talked about. But um, 
I wanted to go ahead and bring um, my mom on to share with us her her um, message for today. So I'm going to ha- go ahead and do that, and then we'll come back and talk about it for a little bit. All right, one moment, ladies. Okay. Awesome. Good morning, queens and kings. Healing the scars. We have our external scars that can be seen by the naked eye as a reminder and a warning. If we are not careful, that scar can be duplicated or grow larger. Then we have our internal scars that only we can feel and also can be seen by the naked eye if we are paying attention to the outward signs. The internal scars, as like the external scars, can be a reminder of a wound that has been healing from the inside, the root outside, with the proper medication, irrigation, and bandages. Most scars can be healed without any type of marking if cared for properly, provided we don't scratch at the scab that starts to form for the protection of the outside germs. The germs can be from the bumps of life that picks the scabs when we can't or not allowed proper healing. The healing process depends on the depths of the scars. Sometimes our scars grow because we don't really think scars need any attention and we will just give it a brush and not address it until a similar scrape occurred. Now the external scars have become an internal scar that was not addressed over a period of time. Most of us are very good at allowing scars to heal and move forward with those teachable moments. But then there are some of us who are not given an opportunity or the tools for scar healing. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Isaiah 40:29. Be blessed and happy Sunday to all. Until the next time. Wow. Okay. So one of the things I got from my mom uh, is that we all, we don't always have the tools. And sometimes that means like the ability to communicate Um, because we, if we, if we weren't, if the example hasn't been modeled, um, then that means we are pioneers like you ladies are. And we have to, we have to create a way we have to create a path. Mm -hmm. And I think that's Mm -hmm. one of the hardest Mm -hmm. things to do is to create a path, and that's what you ladies have, have done. Um, one of the comments that came um, from Sister Queen Vashana, she was trying to share, she said, she, she was just saying that she appreciates um, you ladies for being the change that we need to change these stigmas. Because, you know, when we think about even the people who don't say something, you know, or who do the shaming and the blaming, like, they, they don't know what else to do. You know, I, I'm just, that's what I'm thinking. They don't know what else to do. Um, they don't know how to deal with it. And so that's kind of their way of dealing with it. But if you keep pushing the envelope and not, and saying, you know what, I'm not going to be quiet about this. You know, I'm going to find the right people who are going to listen. There's somebody out there who's going to listen. Um, and you don't give up like everything else. You'll find an avenue to heal. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and I will say that, you know, even even with Jillian and I taking, bringing our message forward, you know, mm-hmm. even that is is sometimes quite challenging. You know, uh, trying to find avenues such as your forward-thinking 
radio show sometimes can be quite challenging because oftentimes, you know, radio, television, the mainstream media, they don't want to deal with it. They don't want to hear about it. They don't want to, you know, though we know, you know, most women, unfortunately, as Jillian pointed out through statistics, uh, either know someone or have experienced some form of sexual misconduct in their lives, most um, mainstream media are choosing not to want to have this as a discussion. So we're finding it challenging to move our agenda forward. So we are very blessed and thankful when we can, in fact, bring our message forward. So we do a lot of radio and television such as, you know, your your show and, you know, other radio and television. But, you know, there's there's also, you know, challenges there too. It's 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 a very tough topic we re- recognize and realize, but as mm-hmm. we say and as you so eloquently put it, somebody has to step up. Somebody has to be the the forerunners to say enough is enough. I'm going to say something, this has to change, and I am going to be the person or persons to stand up and say, this is happening in my community, and this needs to stop. You know, we were having a conversation, Catherine and myself and um, another young lady, and we were talking about um, how, you know, there have been so many other pioneers, you know, before. I can't hear you, um, Jalion. All of the different. Can you hear me now? Oh, there we go. Okay, yeah. Okay. All of the different topics that have causes now and um, and things like that. And one thing that um, the young lady said was, you know, um, before my time, she said that um, cancer was not known as cancer; it was known as the big C. You know, it was yeah. it was stigmatized, and it was something that no one wanted to talk about, and no one wanted to disclose, uh, disclose you know any family members or whatever that you know were um, had cancer or or whatever. But there was a pioneer in that time that decided, you know mm-hmm. what? No, we're going to talk about this. We're going to find a cure for this. We're going to invest money and time into this, and we're going to figure it out. Somebody had to do that. And yeah. and so for myself and, and, and Catherine, you know, we're like, you know what, it's it's not pretty. It is ugly. We know that it's it's a hurtful topic. It brings up a lot of of things that people have suppressed for so long, but it's something that needs to be talked about. Or it's gonna be something that continues to penetrate our society. And it's gonna continue to bring us down. It's gonna continue to hurt us. I know what you're talking about. I know I've I've spoken to women who have experienced rape, who have shared that they've experienced rape, but now what happens is you kind of start to, to, to tell yourself like it didn't happen. You start to not believe yourself and you start to Mm -hmm. shame and blame Mm -hmm. yourself if you don't have an outlet. And then you start to, your behavior, it starts to get really erratic and, and, and it just Mm -hmm. really, then now, now, you know, it's like, 
you're you, you people have to try to either contain you or you're you're put into a category because you're acting out and yeah when all it was that you what needed was someone to listen and then now then it, it, there's just so many layers of this you know yeah. that yeah. it's just it's 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 just really it's a lot and that's why you know um i i hope that you ladies get more of a platform to talk about it i hope that women start to stand up. Um, I know that this affects men too, but the reason that I say women stand up even more is because we are the keepers of the seed. You know, we Mm -hmm. um, bring forth the light. Um, The seed is planted in us, but then we have a really big role in playing as that seed gets nurtured. And then, you know, when we start to heal also, then we expect, we demand respect from our children um, even and from our partners, you know, and from the people that we keep around Mm -hmm. us. And so, you know, then when we demand respect, um, then people have to rise up, you know, to a a different level of the way that they treat us, the way that they interact with us. Um, because it is, yeah. it is, it starts with us. Um, I was listening the other day in a book club and this, my friend, she was sharing with me that, you know, someone she knew in her household, um, they all lived in one big household. And then there was a grandfather who had a, a child with one of his grandchildren and they all lived in the same house together. You know, and it was just, Mm. and and so only thing I could think about was the fact that someone keeping silent and not saying something is what is making this, they're normalizing this, this behavior. This is not normal. Yes. You know, it's not normal. Incest is not normal. Rape is not normal. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. molestation is not normal. But when we don't talk about these things, we do normalize them and we make people like, you know, it's common. But it's not normal, and we need to create more safe spaces for women and men to talk about these things. I can't imagine how many men are just suffering in silence because, you know, that is just totally not in alignment with being what we consider a man, you know, um, uh, you know, not being Mm -hmm. strong. So I can imagine how much they are suffering even more in silence, you know. So, Mm -hmm. oh, my goodness, I'm just I'm I'm just so thankful to be to have gotten over the threshold and to have healed enough to have this conversation this way and to be able to move forward with doing the work because you know as as the ladies who are as you ladies who are you know the gatekeepers and just doing this opening up the doors to this that's a lot of responsibility but you're still having to do a lot of work on yourself with yourself. So for mm-hmm. the last few minutes, I just want you to talk about that. Like, you know, we, we over our time, but that's okay. Um, just for the last few minutes, just talk about, you know, for the healers out there who have healed, what it is that you have to do on a daily basis to be able to continue to share your message and live on purpose. Well, uh, I'll start. One of the things that, that I know I do is, is I, I know how to say no. I have learned how to say no. I uh, am really uh, big on holistic approaches to care because as a person living with AIDS for 25 years, I really take very seriously my health, 
and all things pertaining to my health, that is extremely important to me. And learning mm. how to say no, learning uh, not to allow toxic relationships in my life, uh, learning how to put aside uh, things that will, um, uh, will, will cause harm to me emotionally, those are the types of things that bring me healing. And so, I, you know, I will put up things, you know, that will, will keep at bay those types of things. Another okay. important thing to me is, is my relationship with Jelion. Uh, you know, having, making sure that she is okay, making sure that, uh, you know, my grandchildren are okay, those are important to me. So there are important relationships in my life that, you know, those are, you know, the, 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 the important things to me. So, you know, removing toxic, toxicity and ensuring important relationships are, you know, are safe and secure. And those are the types of, of ways that I, that I create a safe space for myself, healing and um, provide mentorships to others and coaching. I do a lot of coaching to others too. That helps me to heal too through my coaching mm-hmm. practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wonderfully said. Jalian? So for me, um, I I get a lot of, um, of continued healing from my support group. I actually host a support group um, at our organization. Um, and by listening to the other women and having them ask me questions and things like that, that, that helps me. And also, I have a website. It's called iCandy.co. And um, Candy with a K. Yeah, I-K-A-N-D-I dot C-O. And I do a lot of um, arts and crafts. That's, like, my biggest channel um, for, like, staying healthy and keeping in the right mind space and having a safe space. Um, and then after I, after I make these crafts, soap, candles, um, paintings, um, artifacts, you know, whatever, I sell them to raise money for people have, who have been victimized by HIV, um, sexual assault, and domestic violence. Um, at our organization, a lot of times there will be someone who is trying to flee or someone who is trying to, you know, start over again in a healthy environment. And, um, and our, funding, our funding streams that we have through our grants, they don't, they don't pay for certain things. And so what I what I want to do is to make sure that there's a pocket of money available for these women when they're ready to get away or when they're ready to seek help or when they're ready to, you know, put their children in services or whatever the situation may be. Um, because as you know, when they're ready, that's you got to pounce right then because you mm-hmm. never know. You know, they could, they could change right. their mind or something else mm-hmm. could take place or whatever. So mm-hmm. um, I use I use my healing approach to help others. So it's sort of like a it's forever helping <laughs> sort of thing. And <laughs> yeah, then also I on my it. website, Catherine was talking about her coaching, and I just love how modest she is. She's an amazing person. Everyone that's listening, <laughs> I just, I really love my mom. Oh, we She's know. absolutely phenomenal. We know. <laughs> um, I have embedded mm-hmm. on my website. She has mm-hmm. um, coaching 
It's called Welcome Healing Coaching, and Mm -hmm. she does virtual coaching. She does in-person group coaching. Um, Everything you need to know about it, it's on on the iCandy website, and it's called Welcome Mm -hmm. Healing. So I encourage Mm. everyone to go um, seek, you know, out some information on that, and she's absolutely wonderful. Um, She's even coached me. also, I wanted to say, because we were talking earlier about um, ways that that um, survivors of different traumas can heal, I have a, mm-hmm. a trauma support group, Catherine and I, on Facebook. It's a private um, support group, mm-hmm. and it's called um, Healing Secret Hurts uh, Trauma Support Group, and mm-hmm. it's private. So what they'll have to do is they'll have to message me on my Facebook um, inbox, just say, you know, please invite me, and um, and then I'll, I'll send them an invitation and invite them. But for the privacy of all that attend, you know, we want to keep the group completely, um, completely private where no one can actually search for the group and find it and all that because, you know, we want to keep everyone's um, confidence, um, you know, closed and, and make it a safe place. But, you know, if you're all the way in, you know, a different saying, you're not, you know, local with us, but you still need help or you still need support or guidance, you know, we want to make sure that that platform is available. So they can just reach out to me at J-A-L-Y-O-N, and then my last name, Welsh, W-E-L-S-H hyphen Cole, C-O-L-E. Just send me a message and say, you know, that they want to be invited to the group, and I will send them an invitation. And then also our book, um, I am the cause of rape. A memoir can be purchased on Amazon, and it's also available as an ebook. And Catherine, um, with her brilliance, has developed two, a two series um, workbook for trauma uh, recovery. Mm. And mm. I'll let her tell you a little bit about it. It's, it's absolutely phenomenal. We've even had, um, you know, the mental health. What is it? Nami um, has um, supported it. And some other uh, mental health um, organizations have even, you know, in, endorsed it and support it as well. But, Catherine, I'll let you tell just a little bit about it before we close up here. Okay. Well, uh, both, both workbooks can be found on Amazon, too. Uh, the, the, they're called the Healing Journey Workbooks, Volume 1, and Healing Journey Workbook, Volume 2. If you go to the uh, Wyatt and Morley websites, they are there as well as on Amazon. All of our products are on Amazon. As a matter of fact, all of my, all of my books, all four of my books and the two workbooks can be found on Amazon. And all anyone has to do, if you get confused by any of this, all they have to do is Google my name, C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, W-Y-A-T-T hyphen M-O-R-L-E-Y. All you got to do is Google my name. And if doing that, all kinds of things will, will come up, including the books, the workbooks, and everything. Tell them about, the, work- tell them about the workbooks, why you created it, Mom. Well, the workbooks were created as an offshoot for I Am the Product of Rape, a memoir. So many individuals were asking us um, about you know, where, where, where do you go from here and how can, what is the next level of healing and how can we take what is in the product of rape 
and actually use it as a tool for healing. And so the uh, Sexual Assault Center and NAMI, and we've had several different entities around the country to support and endorse. And one of the sections is on trauma, one is on incest, one section is on molestation, uh, one section is on rape. And um, and so they, they really drill in and focus on um, uh, interactive interaction where uh, one can either work on them individually by themselves or you can work on them in a workshop setting. And we, we have really gotten wonderful reviews from the work that each one of these volumes has created. And we're, we're really, really pleased with the outcomes. And some of the universities in North and South Carolina are actually looking at them as curricula ideas. Oh, wow. Amazing. You ladies are amazing. I'll say it again. Um, thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom for the work that you're doing, um, sending you lots of love and light uh, so that you can continue to do the work. And, you know, thank it's just you. amazing. Um, I love your the, you so the book and just, you know, everything about what you ladies are doing is so empowering. I mean, like this is the core of what empowerment is all about. You know, taking these things that are so difficult to talk about, but then, you know, diminishing the power that they have um, and then transforming it into something for good. And you ladies have done that. So thank you again. Um, we definitely will be visiting the website. Again, just to remind you all, their, their book is I Am the Product of Rape, a memoir by Catherine Wyatt Morley and Jalion Welsh Cole. Uh, you can check them out. Remember the website, um, Catherine C A T H E R I N E Wyatt W Y A T T hyphen dash that's a dash Morley M O R L E Y dot com and then you have um, I Candy I K A N D I dot com to learn more about Jalion's work that she's doing out there in the community. So, yeah, you have support, people. You have support no matter what it is. No topic is too taboo, right? We're, we're getting to the root of <laughs> that's it all. Right. And they, it's icandy.co. It's, it's not dot .co. Com, it's dot .co. Yes, ma'am. That's right, okay. Thank you. for Icandy, I-K-A-N-D-I dot C-O. Check it out. Yes. Help is out there for you yes. ladies. Take the first step. And gentlemen, sorry, brothers, I know y'all are out there too. Take the first step, reach out. You're worth the effort. It, it may be scary. It may be uncomfortable, but growth happens outside of your comfort zone, and you're worth it. Thanks so much, beautiful people, for joining us today. Thank you, all of you who are out there in the community, and we're listening to us for in our extension of time for today. Thank you so much. Be well. Today's show was such a blessing. Thank you. Join us next Sunday, June 6th at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as we discuss Diet for Divine Connection. Our guest host will be Margaret Paul. To learn more about Margaret, visit her website at www.innerbonding.com. Until next time, and always, beautiful people, be blessed. And queens, stand up.